Okay, praise God. Go to 1 Peter 5, and we're going to start, we're going to start at verse number 6. One Peter five verse number six. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, if you, some of you with these electronic Bibles, you get there before I can get there. Praise God. One Peter five verse number six. Okay, we will wait. We're going to cover this scripture here, which is um, so fundamental, so basic. We've been here a number of times, and I'm sure you've read it on your own a number of times, but we're going we're gonna, to um, gonna get into really deeply what this really, really means, because so many times as Christians we quote the scripture so easily and so quickly, but what does it really mean, and what does it have to do with our lives today? Um, going to church and hearing the word of God is a lot more than simply going to church to hear the word of God. If we can't walk away from a Sunday service without realizing how that service or how those words of God can, can uh, affect my life and can help me to, <clears throat> to be more prosperous, not only in terms of money, but in terms of health and everything else that we're doing, being blessed with jobs and so on like that, how does it help us then? It's kind of a moot point if we just go to church and hear a word that we can't relate to our lives. Amen. God did not have this book put together given to man by Holy Spirit just to be a, a bunch of writings amen just just to be an historical book it's meant to be more, much more so it looks like everyone is there 1 Peter 5 verse number 6 humble, you, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time casting all your care upon him for he cares for you underline verse 7 if you don't already have it underlined casting all your care upon him for he cares for you be sober be vigilant because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walks about seeking whom he may devour whom resist steadfast in the faith knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world but the God of all grace, who hath called us into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. But the main uh, script, there's a lot there to unpack, and I won't get into the, all of the verse there about the devil walking about as a roaring lion and how we should be, be sober and be vigilant and watching out. But verse number 7 is where I really want to dwell today, casting all your care upon him. Because he cares for you. Now we all know that scripture means that we shouldn't worry about things. That when we have things going on in our lives. That we should simply cast our cares upon God. And move on. Because God cares for you. God clearly does not want us to worry. But that doesn't mean he wants us to be lazy. Either. He does not want us to cast our cares so much on him. That we feel no responsibility for any actions that might be required on our part, okay? If I'm worried about losing weight, and I say, gee whiz, I'm worried about losing weight, I need to lose some weight, and I cast my care upon God, okay, God, you take this whole thing about my losing weight, I'm going to have trust in, in you and making me lose weight. 
But yes, though, I go out there and I consume four apple pies and three ice cream sundaes and every sort of sweet thing under the sun that's going to put on the pounds and whatnot, then it's kind of foolish of me to be saying I'm casting my care upon you, Lord, and I have no responsibility in doing that. Amen? Amen? God is concerned about our situations, but he wants to partner with us to bring positive change and results in our lives. Not for us to simply just leave it all entirely to him. First of all, in casting your cares upon God, remember that you will never find pleasure. You will never find pleasure in doing what you don't like to do. Alright? You'll never find pleasure in doing what you don't like to do. So you got to stop doing it. Alright? You, you know, it, guy goes to the doctor and he says, Doctor, every time I bend my wrist like this, I get a sharp pain. Every time I bend my wrist, I get a sharp pain. The doctor looked at him and said, well, stop bending your wrist like that. Amen? You're banging your head against the wall, and every time you bang against the wall, it hurts. So you need to stop banging your head against the wall. All right? So the things that you, 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 you don't like to do, you will never find pleasure in continuing to do it. Okay, it's the first thing to remember about casting your cares. So our responsibility is to stop doing whatever is standing in your way while you're casting your care upon God. All right? so there's a lot more to that scripture, cast your cares upon God because he cares for you. We must learn to cast our care, your worry, your anxiety, but we can't be afraid of what responsibility goes along with that. You must learn to cast your care, your worry, or your anxiety, anxiety but, you can't, um, but you can't forget about your responsibility. We do have a responsibility learning to cast our cares Help us prepare. Learning to cast our cares, I should say, helps us to prepare for the coming of Jesus. It helps us to prepare. But God isn't calling us to just get ready for Jesus' return. God is calling us to live ready in a shine, to be a shining light in a lost world. Okay? Alright? God says to prepare. But we should not be just preparing, we should be living that way. While we should cast our cares upon God, he doesn't want us to just blend in and to do nothing. He wants us to stand out. It's hard for us to turn on the TV, listen to the radio, open a newspaper, or go anywhere on the internet without coming face to face with the evil of this world. There's a lot of bad stuff going on. No matter what you pick up today, there's a lot of bad things. I don't know if we're living in the very last days before Jesus, in the very last days before Jesus returns or not. No man knows that. But I'm certain that we are a lot closer today than we were yesterday. I don't know the exact hour. The Word of God says no man knows the exact hour, not even Jesus. The Word of God says that only the Father knows when he'll be told to return. But if you look around you and you see what's going on, we are getting indeed a lot closer than where we were uh, yesterday. A lot of Christians are interested in when Jesus is going to return. And I look forward to that day as well. But there's a reason why God didn't tell us that day in advance. The reason why God didn't tell us the exact day and hour that Jesus was coming. He doesn't want us to get ready for Jesus to come back. He wants us to live ready. Many of us, if we know that Jesus was coming back on December 1st, 2017, that would say, boy, oh boy, that gives me, what, four months here that I can just raise holy heck and have a ball. You know, and then on November 30th, I'll get right with God and then ready because Jesus is coming on December 1st. Amen. So God does not give us that time because he knows human nature. 
He knows we'll put it off to the very last minute. So God wants us to live in a state of readiness, not waiting until the last minute. The Apostle Paul wrote to his young apprentice Timothy and described to him what the last days would look like. Go to 2 Timothy 3. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Second Timothy chapter 3. We're talking about casting our cares upon God, but yet still not looking at our responsibility. Not forgetting we have a responsibility. Chapter 3, verse number 1. This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous boasters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. Please underline despisers of those that are good. In verse number three, underlined by the way, without natural affection. Okay. Continuing in verse number four, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, underline that, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. Underline all of verse number five, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn turn away. This looks like some of the things that's going on in today's times. Look at number three there, without natural affection. We see what's going on in the the news and in this country today about turning away from what God has proclaimed and ordained as marriage between one man and one woman. We see all of the other deviant things, I'm sorry, but that's what they are. They're deviant behaviors that are going on in this world. When I say deviant, they're they're a deviation from what God says is the way that we as human beings should live. We see that happening today. All right. We see there despisers of those that are good. Look what's happening. Look at the, the, the pressures and the things that are being said to us Christians. Look at the, the, the offenses. You know, it's like a war on Christianity as a whole. You can talk about it in many of the other religion, religions and there won't be anything said about it. But, but gee, gee whiz, I mean, uh, there's nothing said about anything but Christianity. They very rarely really dump on any of the other religions. But Christianity is constantly dumped on. Verse number five there, uh, number four, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. How many people will put doing other things before going to church? How many people will put doing other things before sitting down to read their Bible? How many, you, you know, I've seen people, uh, gee, you know, I, I can't make it in today or uh, I got invited to a party or whatever like that and put everything else before going to God or going to church or setting aside time to worship Him. Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. From such, these things we need to turn away from. Okay? I've seen so many people that will pretend to be so holy, be holier than thou, so pious. 
Yes, Lord, when you start talking about the real things of the word of God, they kind of poo-poo it or they, they, they deny that it has any, any, that there's any merit to what's being said. Those that believe in, in evolution and so forth, you know, you know, I, it, they're so far from, from what God is really saying or what God has said, it isn't funny, but yes, though, they will prefer to, to, to gravitate towards those thoughts and those beliefs. Having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. I don't know how anyone can go to church and call themselves a Christian and then yet still hold up evolution, which I've heard. To me, to me that, that's an oxymoron. How can you say that you're a Christian, you're a believer in Christ, but then yet still trumpet evolution? Oh yes, oh yes, evolution is, that's the way to go. I mean, that's the way to go, which is so foolish. Just because the very, very proponents of evolution, they're still out there trying to find that missing link. The missing link between the primate and man, and they'll never find it because there is no link between the primate and man. There's no link. But the scientists continue to look for that missing link. But anyway, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. So we see here that these characteristics that are listed here are, sounds very much like a description of the world that we live in today. There's greed out there, there's arrogance, there's slander, there's no self-control. You see what, what went on, on over the weekend down there in Charlottesville, Virginia. The rioting and things that's going on down there where they had three death, deaths. The list, the list is, 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 that we see here is pretty accurate about what's going on today. And then if you go, still in Second Timothy, if you go to chapter 4 of Timothy, starting in verse number 1, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at this appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season, or be diligent in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exalt with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned into fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. So here we see that the, the instructions that he's giving, giving here, uh, he tells Timothy to correct and rebuke and encourage those around him. You see, and you see there it says that, uh, verse number four, they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned to fables. You know, and I see that happening so much today even among Christians because some of the things I hear people saying, I can't believe that they're believing. They're traveling and they're hearing things coming from all sorts of sources that is not in line with the word of God. So we, we, we as Christians do have a responsibility to make sure that when we have the opportunity to correct those, those um, mis, mis, uh, misbehaviors or misthoughts. Okay? It says, watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Now, you've heard me say before that not all of us are necessarily called to be actually evangelists. But there does come a time in our lives, though, where we need to be able to witness to someone about what the word of God really means. That means that we have a responsibility. God does not want us to simply, uh, to simply exist and to sit back and to just wait for Jesus to come. There comes a time where we have a responsibility that we need to, to somehow maybe speak to someone that has come across your path. The interesting thing is that all of us at one time or another has had someone come, up, come across our path that will either ask you a question about their life or about God or ask a question about your life. Many times people will come before you and they'll marvel. They'll say, well, gee whiz, you seem to have it together. 
You seem to have it so together. How do you get by? How do you manage to do so and so? My life seems to be falling apart. It's at those points in time that you should be willing to encourage them and be willing to share the word of God. The encouraging part isn't that difficult. Encouraging people is not that difficult. You know, I do it every Sunday in my teaching and preaching. But when I get into the word of God when I'm preaching or teaching, that is in the correct and rebuke mode, sometimes that starts stepping on some toes. When Holy Spirit begins, begins or brings conviction, which is a good thing, sometimes people feel uncomfortable. All right? You can't always bring just the good news. Because sometimes God wants to, wants to correct whatever it is that we're doing. And you have to think about that also in your life. If God is really, really putting someone in front of you in your path that he wants you to minister to, then you can't simply be standing back and just saying, oh, gee whiz, um, I don't want to hurt her feelings, so therefore I'm going I'm to lie to her, you know. Whereas opposing to, as opposed to that, what the word of God would say is, say is that you do it all in love. That doesn't mean you have to just beat someone around the head and just tear them apart and make them feel bad. All right? But at, at some point, if, if something is going on that is not in line with the word of God, and God is kind of, you, you have a quickening in your spirit that you need to say something, you need to correct that person, you need to do it in love. In love. Not everything that comes from this pulpit, or any pulpit for that matter, is always a, 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 a Mr. Feel-Good, a touchy-feely, good-feeling thing, because the Word of God has times of rebuke. Okay? And there's a difference between conviction and condemnation. Nothing that comes from the Word of God is going to be something that makes you feel hopeless, that makes you feel that there is no hope. If the word of God brings conviction to you, in other words, like you're hearing something in a message or you're reading something and you're saying, boy, yeah, I need to look at that in my life. I need to, yeah, I need to, mm, yeah, that makes sense. I need to really address that. Then that's called Holy Spirit conviction, which is a good thing. Because then God will say, this is how you address it. Because the word of God tells you how to address it. Amen. He will tell you that. Okay. Okay. And so sometimes when I'm preaching, it is, I do wind up stepping on toes. But God's calling on my life as a preacher, a teacher of his word, is to help people grow spiritually. So that they can have the abundant life that Jesus died for them to have. All right. When the time comes, that means that I can't always tell them exactly what they want to hear. I have to say what the word of God is saying. That's because when I stand before God to give an account of what I've preached and taught, I will be responsible, there's that responsibility, I will be responsible for telling folks what they need to, I will be responsible for telling folks what they need to hear, not just what makes them feel good. Amen? Amen? So I have to tell you what the Word of God is saying, not something just to make you feel good. So that's my responsibility. Well, the same thing is with you. Believe it or not, your life is a sermon. People look at how you live your life. You say, well, Pastor, you know, you know I, I'm not a preacher like you. I'm, I'm not Timothy in the Bible there. What does all this have to do with me? Well, it has a lot to do with you. You are a preacher in, 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 uh, in, uh, in a way. You are a preacher. You are a teacher in a way. Maybe not with your mouth all the time like what I'm doing up here. Or not like Paul as he's written, written so many letters, epistles. But as a believer in Christ, your life is a living, is a living sermon. If you are a believer in Christ, your life is a living sermon. 
You'd be surprised how much people sit back and observe how you live your life. You'd be surprised how many people sit back and listen to what comes out of your mouth. Especially when there's a challenge going on in your life. Amen? Amen? An issue comes into your life and you say, well, Lord God, you told me to cast my care upon you. And you don't look at your responsibility and what, do, what should I be doing in this situation. And then someone else is coming around you and observing how you are going through your life or going through this challenge. And then they stand there and they scratch their heads because the, 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 there may be a, a disconnect. As I said before, I can't say I'm worried about losing weight and just cast that care to God. God, you take care of my weight loss and continue to eat a whole lot of fattening foods. My responsibility is to stop eating the fattening foods. So while you're casting your care upon God, okay, and understand what I'm saying here. The purpose of God giving us that scripture says, cast your cares upon me because I care for you. It means for us to not worry about that particular care. Okay, it means to stop worrying about that care. I'm praying for a job, Lord, I care, I I have this care, I need this job, I need a new position. I'm praying for this house, I need this house, I need this house, I need this house. That means that you, you, you cast the worry and the anxiety on him because you know that he's going to meet your need, amen. But then in the meantime, Lord, you're saying, what is it that I need to do? I'm not going to worry about it, but Lord, what should I do? Okay, and the way the the anxiety and the worry goes off of you is because while you know that God is handling it, that God is going to tell you what to do, amen, we get worried and we get anxious when we don't know what to do. If you stop and think about it, you have a care, you have an anxiety, you have a worry, it's because you don't know how to handle it. But when you cast your care to God, you say, Lord, I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to, going to worry about it. I'm not going to have anxiety about this because, Lord, I know that if I don't know what to do, you're going to tell me what to do. So how you're taking your responsibility in this partnership with God is that, God, I'm not going to worry about it because I know you got my back. I know you're going to tell me what needs to be done, and then I'm going to follow your steps. So therefore, you're not worrying about it, and you're not anxious about it any longer, because you're giving it to God. All right. So you can't just say, I'm going to cast my care upon God, and then wash your hands of it, and then just go on about life doing things that might be contrary to you um, eliminating that worry or that care that you're carrying around. You have to realize I've got some responsibility in this too. That's, that's the point that I'm trying to make. And, and, and some of that responsibility is how you are carrying out your life as you're waiting for God to, 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 to bring into fruition or to bring into reality that thing that you're praying for, worrying about, or caring about. In the meantime, you have to continue your responsibility as, 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 as a child of God and also as, as a minister of God. Alrighty? And again, again, I'm not saying, saying minister as in the, 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 the offices, the offices that the Word of God talks about, pastor, teacher, preacher, and so on like that. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying that your life is, your life is a ministry. You've got to realize that when God puts you in a job, especially... Especially, now hear me carefully, especially when God puts you in a place that is beyond your wildest dreams or is really such a blessing. When God puts you in that place, you're there for a reason. You're there for a reason. God has his children strategically placed throughout this world. And if you're not where you think you need to be now, you need to be asking God, 
where do you want me? Not that I need to make a million dollars, okay, I want this kind of work schedule, I want that kind of work schedule, okay, I want this, I want that, but Lord, where do you want me to be? Because when God puts you someplace, especially when you receive a position that is such a wow, look what God blessed me with, you're there for a reason. You're there for a reason. That means that God is going to send someone across your path. There's going to be some situation or whatever that's going to come down the line where you need to be the light. Where you need to be the one that's going to set an example. Where you need to be the one that may say to someone that is in dire straits. You see, you never know what's going on in someone else's life. You never know that the person that you meet three weeks from today is someone that may be considering taking their life, their lives. You never know how they may be wrestling with something that's really going on. And there is no hope. God may send you there. God may have you in that place to minister to that person at the right time to save that person's life. And you may never know. You may never know. You may never know. Unless God chooses to show you. But the whole thing is that we have to be willing to be where God wants us to be and to let others see the God in us. And let others see how God has blessed us. You know, okay? And if you're, and, 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 and if you're, 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 you're waiting, if you're, you're looking and you're still waiting, you have to again say, God, where do you want me? What's my responsibility in this? Okay? And your responsibility in this can, can also be, it can be responsibility to others. It could be a responsibility within your prayer life. It could be a responsibility in your life. Okay? You know the scripture that says charity begins at home. So how am I conducting my home life? If you, if you have children, how am I raising my children? How am I treating my wife? How am I treating my husband? Amen? What's my responsibility? Lord, I'm casting this care on you. I'm taking, because Lord, this thing is, has, gives me such high anxiety. I'm so worried about this. But Lord, what's my responsibility? What would you have me do? Okay? You see, sometimes God won't bless you until you start getting other things in order. Okay? See, and that's the part that I really want you to understand. You say, okay, Lord, you said to cast my care and responsibility upon you. Okay, I'm casting it upon you. Okay, but if, if your house isn't in order, and I mean your spiritual house, internally to yourself, as well as your household, if that isn't in order, then maybe there's some additional responsibility, something else that you need to do in God to get that right before he blesses you. Okay? So yeah, I'm old pastor, I've been praying, I've been praying, I've been praying, and the scripture says to cast my cares upon him because he cares for me. Yes, he cares for you. He wants to give you that thing that you're praying for. He wants to get you out of that situation. He wants to take that anxiety, that worry from you. But you have a responsibility. Okay? Because if the opposite were true, if the opposite were true, that if I had an anxiety or worry or something in my life that I'm concerned about, and all I got to do is quote, is remember that scripture and quote it to myself, cast your cares, all your cares upon God because God cares for you, and I take no responsibility, then that means I can go out there and be robbing banks and I'm praying, oh Lord, bless me with a job and bless me with prosperity. I want this and I can be out there being a regular hellion because I've cast all my cares upon God, so I give it to God because he cares for me, so I ain't got nothing to worry about. And I go out and I become a real healthy and doing all things that are wrong. No, it doesn't work that like. It doesn't work like that. It's a partnership with God. Okay? 
God will bless you. God will do. Oh my gosh, he will. He owns the cattle of a thousand hills, as the word of God says. So he has everything that you ever need. You see? You see? And maybe if you turn around a little bit, you know, and stop thinking about all those things that you want. And start thinking about the things that I need. Lord, give me the things that I need. Because he will. If you stop and think about it, if you have all that you need, then guess what? You don't have any wants. If you got everything you need, then what is there to want for? Amen? Amen? So, and God will give you all that you need. You see? But what's your responsibility to get there? You can't just cast your cares and just wash your hands of it. All right? All right? Sometimes it's a good opportunity for us to kind of do a status check of where we are with ourselves in God. Am I really a believer? You start with. Am I really a believer? Or do I read the word of God and I go to church and I tithe and I give? But am I a real believer? Okay? And the test there, you can test yourself. You can test yourself. You say, oh yes, Pastor, I believe. You're talking to your friend, you're talking to your, 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 your neighbor, you're talking to your family member. Oh, I believe, I believe, I believe, I'm born again. But in your heart of hearts, do you really believe? Because if you're still worrying, if you're still worrying, and, and, and you've got, you're all pent up inside, and if you're not spending time with God and to the point that you really, really are giving it to Him, then you need to ask yourself, do you really believe? If some of the things in the Bible to you sound far-fetched, there's such a thing as skeptical Christians, you know. There's such a thing. You believe certain things of God. You believe certain things in the Bible. When it comes to gets down to those things that I call the, 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 the twilight zone things, when you start talking about the real deep spiritual things, the miracles and the things concerning spirits and the deeper things written in the word there, they get kind of skeptical. They look at you like, like this out of the corners of their eyes. Then it means that they're skeptical about some part of the Bible. Well, guess what? If you're really a believer, there's no part of the Bible that you're skeptical about. None whatsoever. I can't say I believe everything in the New Testament, but in the Old Testament, well, uh, I don't know. Some of that stuff is kind of far-fetched. Red Sea parting, oh boy, whoo. You know, coming down off the, the mountain with Ten Commandments in it, written by the finger of God. Oh boy, whoo, yeah. Mm. I'm sure that must be some, you know, that's like some poetic writing. Okay? Jesus walked on the water. Mm, well, mm. yeah, it was the water that they crossed was probably a little marsh. It was probably six inches. That's how you're able to do it. Mm. Right? That's not really believing. Okay? You see? And the pity is, is that you can fool me. You can fool your neighbor, your husband, your wife, your people in the family. I'm a believer. But God knows. God knows. God knows how much of him you really, really believe. All right? So you talk about responsibility. Oh, I casted my care, Pastor. I can, so why am I not getting any answers? Why am I not being blessed? Because you've got a responsibility. You have a responsibility. Don't take yourself out of that equation and give it all. Because then you wind up blaming God, by the way, which many people do when things don't go right in their lives. Well, I prayed about it, I prayed about it, I didn't get, I didn't get, I didn't get. But they forget about their responsibility. Their responsibility starts with unbridled faith. You have faith for the good things of the Bible. You have faith even in the things that correct you at times. 
Do you have faith in the small things in the Bible? Do you have faith for the, for the big things in the Bible? Amen? Amen? At work, at the grocery store, in school, your life should encourage others by showing them the love of God working in your life. And you don't even have to open your mouth to do it. I will say to you, how many people that you work with or are around in your neighborhood or wherever know that you're a child of God, know that you're a Christian? You know, okay? Trust me. You don't have to wear those big pins. Jesus loves you, all lapel pins. God bless her, there was a sister back in New York. I mean, she loved the Lord. She really loved the Lord. But this lady, sister, when she walked up to you, you almost had to put on sunglasses to shield yourself. I mean, she had so many Jesus pins all over her body, a hat and so on like that. And God bless them. I mean, God bless them. I mean, she's proclaiming the love of the Lord. And she did. She did love the Lord. She really did because we knew her and talked with her and worked with her and stuff. She really did. But that's just the way she just liked to, to show. All I'm just saying to you is that you don't have to wear 10,000 pins on your body and stuff like that to proclaim that you're, you're, you're a child of God. You don't even have to open your mouth. Because on the other hand, I'm sure many of you sitting here one time or another, you've had somebody say to you, and you've heard me say this before, gee whiz, I've known you for six months, and I've, known, I've, I've always known, I mean for 20 years, and I've always known there was something different about you when they do finally find out that you're a Christian. I knew there was something different. Amen? But how many of us, on the other hand, don't try to hide it? When topics of Christianity or God come up, we just kind of back out of the conversation or just get quiet about it. Especially if there's a good point that's being made. Or I should, maybe I should say a bad point. But there's a point at which you should be jumping in and saying something. But how many of us choose to back out of it? Okay? We will all be held accountable for what we've done in our lives on this planet. We're not just simply all passing through here. Alright? And even with that alone, how many even believe that? How many even believe that there's going to be an accounting of our lives? How many believe that of all what all that heaven is talked about is what is like what heaven is going to be talked about? Amen? Or does it seem so far off that it's something that is beyond your your mind? Or maybe while you can't 100% comprehend what heaven is going to be like, rest assured, based on what the word of God is telling us here, that we are going to be held accountable. So therefore, we are responsible on how we live our lives here today. So what kind of life makes a good quote-unquote sermon? It's the kind of life that reflects the fact that you are a child of God. That alone will stand out in this world. That alone will stand out. When the time comes for you to stand your ground because everyone else in the office, on your block, in the workplace or whatever, in the school or whatever, is doing something and you refuse to follow along with all of those others, that you want to stand behind what the Word of God says you should be doing. Okay? Alright? Not getting caught up in it. And I'm sorry, I, I, I... wasn't even going to get into this, but I feel led to get into it a bit in terms of following. I mean, even look at the holiday seasons. Look at the whole Halloween thing. How many Christians and whatnot, you know what I mean? These are profound Christians, quote-unquote, profound Christians get caught up in that because they don't want their children, quote-unquote, to miss out on something. Amen? None of our kids participated in Halloween, and they'll tell you. They'll tell you they didn't miss a thing. Miss a thing? They're just as happy and well-adjusted kids as I ever know. 
I think they were all adjusted. <laughs> no, I got, I, got, I got some awesome kids, I'm proud to say. I got some awesome kids. And, and they did not participate in any of that. When they sat there in school and whatnot, and some, in the elementary school grades, and the, and the teachers started bringing out these things they wanted the kids to make, our kids to make, you know, black cats and all this kind of stuff, they politely told the teacher they can't do that. Didn't miss out on anything. If the teachers pushed too hard, then we went up to, the wife and I went up to the school and talked to them. But they didn't grow up maladjusted because they didn't participate in Halloween. We stood by what the Word of God says, and they stand by what the Word of God says, and as such, they're they're being proud and strong Christians. And they all knew it. The people in school came to know that, and they respect you for it. Okay? So so, so we we have to to be able to to stand out in this world. And, And I say this to you, saints of God, because where things are going, again, if you look at the news, the internet, I mean, just look at what's going on around the world, it's getting worse and worse and worse. All right? It's got to go where it's got to go. The Word of God says that. It's got to go where it's got to go. Amen? But if you're willing to go along with the program now, just stop and ask this yourself. It may be easy. It's easy for you now to answer the question to yourself. But what if all of a sudden, in order for you to get water, to get the water, you turn on the faucet and it no longer comes out, then you, you get a notice from... Um, Salem Water Supply Company that says in the next week or so you will have water but then there's going to be a a new gadget attached to your water meter it's going to be a scanner until you come down and get this implant you will no longer be able to turn your faucet on and get water you got to get this chip that they're going to put in your hand there's a company that's already, I forget where it is, and there's a company already that's experimenting with this for their employees. So they don't have to log into their computers anymore and can get to the vending machines in the cafeteria. They're li- literally implanting a rice-sized chip, chip in it, rice-sized chip in their hands. So they can scan this in front of the vending machine, scan it in their computer at their desk, so they don't have to log in anymore. It's already happening. So what if one day the Salem Water Company said you're not going to be able to get water until you come down and get this chip and then you scan it on your faucet and then you'll be able to get water out. I wonder how quickly, how quickly, how quickly, how many Christians will wind up folding? How many Christians who claim to love the Lord will wind up folding and going down and getting that chip? Or do you stand out in a troubled world and, and, and hold on who you are? Hold on who you are as a child of God and trust God alone. Okay? So it starts now. It starts now in casting your care and looking at, Lord, what is my responsibility? And it's not always easy when God tells you what your responsibility might be. Okay? But through responsibility also builds character. It builds strong Christian character to prepare us for the, for the difficult times. As Jesus continues to tarry. Now obviously according to the word of God, and if you're a believer in the the whole tribulation, you know that we'll be gone before that. But life can get more challenging before Jesus comes. So what are you going to do? You know? How how, how strong are you to stand in what the word of God says, or will you be a sellout? Go to 1 John 4. Thank you, Jesus. 1 John 4. Thank you, Heavenly Father. 
1 John chapter 4 Casting all your cares But what's your responsibility? 1 John 4 Starting with verse number 1 Beloved Believe not every spirit But try the spirits Whether they are of God Because many false prophets Are gone out into the world Underline or highlight all of verse number 1 Believe not every spirit But try the spirits Whether they are of God Because there are many false prophets in the world Alright Talk about responsibility That's a responsibility Cast your care upon the Lord Okay, God, I've got this issue, I've got this anxiety, I've got this worry, so Lord God, I'm giving it to you. And then you've got some Yahoo that comes by and says to you, to tells you to do, oh boy, you know what you need to do? I got a sense, though, or something tells me that you're worried about your job. Or something tells me that you're worried about not getting the house. Something tells me that you're worried, that and tell me something, tell me something, tell me something tells me. And then starts talking to you and tells you, this is what you need to do. Or even worse yet, or better yet, says, God said that this is what you should do. You better try that spirit. You better try it. Because there are many false prophets that are out there. Especially when you're praying and you're hurting for something. Especially when you're really deeply desiring something. You need to listen to who you need to listen to. The devil will send people your way to give you tons of advice. Your responsibility here, according to this, is to try the spirit. Just don't go listening to anybody that comes into your life. It may sound good, but does it line up with the Word of God? Does it line up with the Word of God? Try the Spirit. Someone comes and tells you, this is what you need to do. God told me to tell you, this is what you need to do. And it's so way off the mark from what the Word of God says. Alright? You know? I think about all these things. Matter of fact, someone just sent me a... You all, you all know how much I'm on Facebook, seriously on Facebook. But I happened to go by and somebody sent me a thing there. Um, if so-and-so and so-and-so, you want to be blessed, send this to ten people. And I hope I receive it back. And I said, all right, God bless you, but I'm not sending it on. <laughs> so I'm not sending I said, I don't do those chain letters. Okay? Somebody tells you, God said to tell you that if you do this and tell ten more people, he's going to give you, eliminate that worry from you. You better try that spirit. Where in the word of God does it say that God's blessing you is, de- is contingent upon, is depending upon you, sending something to ten other people? Alright? But I've actually heard Christians say, oh boy, Mike, Mike, don't break the chain. And I even about, guess what, consider it broken, because I'm not sending it. And you better learn to read, to read the Word of God for yourself and understand the Word of God. And if they really, really dig, then I will tell them, say, you show me in the Word of God where it says that, 1 Corinthians 4.8 says that, in Facebook, if someone sends you a message, don't you break the chain because otherwise I can't bless you. show me where it says that. God does not address Facebook anywhere in the message, instant messenger or Instion, what's them and other ones? Uh, Instagram. <laughs> oh, Instagram, that's one of those electronic things. Yeah, Instagram or any of the others. <laughs> Show you how much I'm on the, how much I know about the, uh, the what's his name media thing there. What do you call it? Social media. Social media. Right? I do not see that in chapter and verse. So you better try the spirit. Don't go listening to that. Alright? <laughs> 
<laughs> Sorry for my ignorance. All right? But you show me where anywhere it says that God, if you don't do something like this, that God is going to not bless you. So God is saying to try the spirits. Amen? Because many false prophets are going out into the world. That's your responsibility. You cast your care on the Lord and then don't turn around and automatically start falling for that Facebook thing. Because God's not going to be answering you that way. Amen? Verse number 2 says, Hereby know you the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is coming to the flesh, um, is come in the flesh, is of God. And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof you have heard that it should come, and even now already is in the world. Okay? The spirit of the Antichrist is in the world. This is not saying the Antichrist. But it's saying that that spirit of Antichrist is certainly there in the world. Okay, which means that there are many, many people out there who are claiming to be Christians who will tell you to do things. And you need to try the spirits because there are those out there who would love to lead you astray. Amen? So I don't care how difficult something may seem to you or how out of reach it may seem to you right now. Casting your care upon God because he cares for you. Yes, you need to do that. But you also got to go to God and say, all right, Lord, what is my responsibility if you're not sure what it is? Amen? Because otherwise it's, it's just, it doesn't, we don't need to, we just simply just lay back and become slugs laying on the ground. Okay, God, just give me a job. I'm just laying here. I'll go feed the pigeons on the, on the uh, park bench. You know? Give me this, give me that. And you just go on doing whatever you do with no thought. No, that's not what God intended. It's a partnership. Right? In the garden there, Eden. He and Eve, the intention was for them to tend the field. Okay, not, to, not that it was going to be laborious and stuff like that. But I mean, but Jesus, it would have been a good life. So what's your responsibility? It goes on to say in verse number four, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Highlight that, please. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. This is speaking of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Remember that. You've got the Holy Spirit of God in you. So that means that you have the ability through Holy Spirit to overcome whatever issues are there um, before you. So that means if there's something that you're praying for, be it a house, a job, a, a new car, or whatever it may, and whatever obstacles might be there, and you're casting your care upon God, your responsibility is to also remember that greater is He, the Holy Spirit, that's in you than He, meaning any of those, those circumstances that are out there in the world. You've got to remember that, you see? But many, many times, though, we as, we as Christians, we cast our care upon God, but then we become defeatists. In our own attitude. We still don't believe that we're able. Okay? So you cast your care upon God, but then you're still you're saying, yeah, I cast my care upon you, Lord. But deep down inside you're wondering, I don't know, you know, can I do this? Or can I manage that house? You know? Or, Jesus, can I ever really get that car? You know? You know? And it seems so out of your reach. So how much are you really, really trusting God? Okay? So casting your care does not mean you're relinquishing or giving up any responsibility that you have relative to God. Verse number 5 says, They are of the world. Therefore speak they of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. 
He that knows God hears us. Underline, please. He that hears, he that, I'm sorry, he that knoweth God hears us. He that is not of God hears not us. Hereby we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Okay? Underline that spirit of error. Okay? The spirit of error comes from those that do not know God. Okay? And we talked about that spirit of error in Bible study the, the other night too, where, where you can have someone that will uh, um, uh, uh, hear the word of God and will give you some interpretation of the word of God and is so far, being, is so far in error, it isn't funny. Okay? It's our responsibility to understand God's word. The scripture says that we can live without fear because of what God has done for us. So we can cast our cares on him. The whole thing is to live without, live without fear. But you've got to understand God's word. You see? And that's at the core of all of this. I mean, if you, if, if you don't read the word of God and you don't meditate on God's word, you can't understand the word of God. You just simply can't understand it. God promises that he will take care of us, whatever our circumstances or whatever is going on in the world around us. People today are scared. They're scared of wars, they're scared of the economy, afraid of the government. It seems that it seems the news is a breeding ground for fear these days. We as Christians know that we are safe and secure in God's arms and that he will always take care of us, even in the hardest of times, so that you can indeed cast your cares upon him. Our lives should reflect our faith in that truth. Your life should reflect your faith in that truth. That kind of living is what makes you set apart from the world. The very fact that you can go out and be unafraid and to live unafraid is a witness and testimony to the world. You know, and you heard me talk about the time they were putting pink slips on the desks of those that were in the office there. And I wasn't worried about it. I didn't get one and others were getting them left and right. You know, and they say, well, gee whiz, aren't you worried about it? I said, no, I'm not really worried about it. How come you're not worried about it? I said, how much time you got? And I'll tell you. Okay? Because I trust God. I know that if I got a pink slip, there'd be another green slip in the form of another job opening up someplace else. Amen? So that's what casting your care is all about. When you can learn to live unafraid. In casting your cares upon God, you must also to, to possibly leave your comfort zone. Okay? Think about that. Casting your care upon God, you must also be prepared to possibly leave your comfort zone. Okay, Lord, I got this care. I got this concern. I'm going to cast it upon you. All right? And then what if God comes back in blessing you, but the thing he's blessing you with is taking you out of your comfort zone? We become such creatures of habit. We want God to bless us, yes, though we don't want to move. We don't want to change our lifestyle or possibly be involved in something beyond what we're comfortable, comfortably involved in. You know? Lord, I cast my care upon you, but I don't want to be in a place, Lord, where I got to talk about you. <laughs> I don't want to be in a place, Lord, where possibly somebody may ask me about my Christianity. Eh? Lord, I cast my care upon you, but I don't want to be in a place where my faith is challenged. Eh? And some of us know that God can bless you with a job, with a position, with a new state of existence or whatever, where 
Your faith is challenged every single day by the things that come across your desk, come into your life, come into your, 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 your sphere or whatever, where your faith is challenged. All right? So in other words, what you're doing is you're saying then, if you don't want that, you won't ever have to deal with challenge. So what you're saying, Lord, is, I cast my care upon you, Lord. I give all my anxiety and my worry upon you, Lord. And I'm praying for this, Lord. But give me a condition, give me an environment where I'm a, I'm a, I'm a slug. I'm a slug. I ain't got to care for nothing. I ain't got to do nothing. I mean, no, just, I want this new, this new life. But don't put me in a place where I'm going to be, be challenged. I want to be a slug. You know? And that's kind of a dumb prayer, because guess what, as a slug, you got one big word. And that's a big human foot. <laughs> Alright? And, and plus you're slow. <laughs> okay? So the point I'm making is that, is that you, 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 gotta, you gotta think about what you're praying for. <laughs> you know, you gotta think about it. You, you, know, you know, God put us here to, 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 to be vibrant, full of life, human beings. So when you're casting your care upon God, don't be starting to think about, oh gee whiz now, is this going to take me out of my comfort zone? Living in the world means that we're always going to see things and to hear things that make us a little bit uncomfortable. But that's okay, because we are in this world, but we are not of this world. And you've got to make that distinction. Go to John. A couple of more scriptures here, and then we'll be closing. Go to John, the book of John, chapter 17. You know? People want to be blessed, they want to be lifted up, and they want to excel in life, but they don't want responsibility. You know? I've had people say over the years in management, gee whiz, you know? I love people, but boy, oh boy, I am sure I'm glad I'm not a manager like you. I am so glad. I was a manager one time, and boy, those people just drove me crazy. So I'm just happy being here in the mushroom pit. Okay? Okay, mushroom, people refer to themselves as mushrooms because they're always kept in the dark and things dump on them. Fertilizer dumps on them. So they refer to themselves as mushrooms. Okay? I don't know if you ever heard that before or not. All right? I'm, I'm just content to be a mushroom. All right? Okay? So that means that they don't want to ever have a challenge in life. <laughs> you draw off the picture of that, right? They don't, they don't ever want a challenge in life. Well, do you ever stop to think that if God puts you in that place, if it is management or whatever it is that you're in charge of, that God will give you the wherewithal to deal with whatever comes across your, across your pit, so to speak. <laughs> But we spend so much time worrying about that, that we don't want to excel. So therefore, we just want to stay mushrooms all of the time, and God does not intend us to be that. Wherever God puts us, He wants us to shine. That the light that He gave us to shine in us, to shine forth. Uh, John 17, verse number 14. John 17, verse number 14. I have given them, I have given them thy word, and the world has hated them, 
Because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Please underline, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. 15. I pray not that thou should take them out of the world, but that thou should keep them from the evil. Underline, but that thou should keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Please highlight all of verse number 16. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. So that they is referring to you. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Underline thy word is truth. If you don't know God's word, then that means that you're able to be diverted from the truth. Verse 18. As thou hast sent me... Into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Please highlight in verse number 18, by the way. um, As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. That's referring to you. You're being sent into the world. And for their sakes, 19, I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth. So that's you again. You've been sanctified or set apart. Thirty, uh, 20. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Please in the line. But for them also which shall believe on me through their word. That they, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee that they also may be one of us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them. Please underline, the glory that thou gavest me, I have given them. That they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and thou in me. That they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and that, and hast loved me, as thou hast loved, loved them, I'm sorry, as thou hast loved me. So God loves you the same way that he loves Jesus. When you understand what's, what's being said there, and you understand your relationship to God, you can more easily cast your care upon him. Since we are, are the body of Christ, while we are casting our cares on him, God needs us to be acting on his behalf. He needs us to go out and shine his light into the darkness of the world. We need to believe today that in Christ you have what it takes to be not afraid and to be a person that God, God can use to change your life, to change people's lives. That's a part of our responsibility. Amen? While you are in this world, you are not of this world. So that means that we do act differently. We, we, we process things differently. We process things that happen to us differently from those people that do not know the Lord. Amen? Amen? So in closing here, remembering that, old, that good old scripture that we started out the message reading. Cast your cares upon God because God cares for you. That does not mean also relinquishing and giving up all of any responsibility that you might have. Amen? Amen? You have to remember that God wants to be a partner with you, to be in partnership with you, which will then bring you to levels and heights and accomplishments in this world that will really make you be very surprised. Amen? Amen? God is good all the time. God is good. And I pray that this message has been a blessing to you. And now before we close, let us honor God without tithes and offerings.